Chris, we've talked about this on multiple occasions. It's getting out of hand. The LinkedIn solicitations slash uh, everybody thinking they're a comedian sales <laughs> outreaches are just, uh, I'm about to lose my mind. I hear you on that. In fact, I have received so many solicitations over the last couple of weeks. This is crazy. Well, good news. I got asked to prom in the last one. So uh, <laughs> I'm all set there. <laughs> With a little rose emoji, they could just be handing out cash, and I'm not going to take a meeting at this point. But they're doing anything to get our attention, though, aren't they? Too bad I couldn't even remember who that was from, so works really well. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome, one and all, to episode number 277, Touchpoint. I am Reed Smith. That is Bob Sledder, Chris Boyer. (laughs) Yes, Bob Sledder. That was an up moment of last week. It's my new favorite Olympic sport, I think. Yes. Yes. Welcome to Cool Runnings. See how many more bobsled references I can make throughout the show. We'll talk more about uh, the recent time up at Salt Lake City that everybody in the industry just, I say everybody in the industry, a lot of folks in the industry just uh, partook in. You'll hear some experts and excerpts from uh, your time there. But before we get to that, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Uh, we certainly appreciate everything you do by listening to the show. If you'd like to learn more, you can do so over at the website. Touchpoint.health is the URL. While you're there, you can dig around in all the episodes and topics, but also you'll notice something called the TPS report up in the top navigation. Click on that. All it's going to do is ask you for your email address, and all we're going to do is then use that email address to send you one email, just one, each week, Monday mornings, start your week, five articles, quick read. You may scan through there and find a few things that uh, pique your interest, and that's all we plan to do. Just send you one email each Monday morning that you can hear from us. Uh, it's called marketing, uh, drip marketing. Is that drip marketing? Not really. But anyway, we'd love to have your email address. We'd love to send you an email. Touchpoint.health is the, is the uh, website. And uh, again, dig around while you're over there. Uh, thanks again. We certainly appreciate all the support. We're going to take a quick pause right here and be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide 
and build a reputation that performs for you. Hi, my name is Colleen Massa, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Writer Girl, and I'm really excited to be back in the conferences and be here at HMPS. Um, one of the things I loved about this morning's keynote session was Jonah Berger and his session on um, how to change anybody's mind. And what really resonated with me is how he talked about the status quo um, bias. And, you know, it's something that we're all familiar with. We might not necessarily think it has a title like that, but it's really looking at your old way of doing things versus the new way of doing things. And the old way is, you know, very safe and easy and comfortable. And a new way is a little bit more intimidating and you have to think outside the box. And when I just think about what's going on in the world today, what's going on in the healthcare ecospace today, and everything that we're experiencing, those of us here at the conference and elsewhere, just really thinking about change and change management and how you can apply it in your, in your work from as a marketer, as a partner, um, as a person in general, um, to me it just was super, super exciting. And I'm glad to be here and connect with people and looking forward to what's to come. So last week, Reed, a number of us in the industry were in Salt Lake City attending the HMPS 2022 conference. It was a really good time, and you were very much missed while we were there. Well, I was there last time it was there, so that kind of half counts or something. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was, I hated to miss out on it. A few things, I had a few new employees starting here at uh, on the home front, and obviously wanted to make sure that they felt welcome and just a lot going on. So I uh, wasn't able to make it this year, but but certainly heard a lot of good things and look forward to uh, talking through a few of the themes that you uh, encountered while you were there. It was certainly a great to get together. It almost felt like a reunion. We were all very cautious and careful while we were there, just so everyone knows, because we don't want these conferences to go away. You know, we have a That's couple right. more coming up this year, right? Uh, Shishman and HCIC and others. But we we're all very much, there was a palpable energy of seeing people, connecting with people again, and having really great, interesting conversations, some of which Reed never had before at these conferences. Yeah, I think getting back together, I, you know, again, I've been to a few things, even just here locally, where uh, you know there may be a dinner, kind of networking event. Uh, I can think of like the the Middle Tennessee chapter of ACHE, for example, or uh, uh, some things that some vendors maybe have put on, you know, here in Nashville that I've been able to swing by, and it really is just kind of fun to see some folks be able to talk and, um, you know, see and share ideas. And so it, uh, that's, that's always the best part of really any conference, in my opinion, not that there's not a lot to learn, certainly in, in the different sessions, because those are important too. But sometimes just getting to sit down in a corner and visit through and share ideas and, and understand better how folks are, are tackling different uh, topics and uh, challenges is, is a lot of fun. Throughout today's episode, you're going to hear little mini clips of people that I just were able to put a microphone in front of their face and ask them to kind of share their insights and what they were thinking. Uh, you'll hear, you know, that there's a lot of lot of different topics that were brought up. But Reed, I wanted to talk with you about some of the the major topics 
that were at the conference because very interesting um, approaches to to how the industry is sort of recovering or coming out of where we were at the last two years. And it, it was this energy that kind of was moving us forward. One of the first things, Reed, that was prevalent in a number of the sessions that were at the conference and in the keynotes was about how marketing is now working with multiple different departments in the organization in a completely different way. And that's a theme that you and I have talked about a lot on the show. It's a little bit of a broken record for those that have been listening, but I'll I'll say it one more time. You know, it's getting harder and harder to really delineate where marketing starts and stops and digital starts and stops specifically with other parts and functional areas within the organization. And so, you know, there are those that are partners of ours that we do work for in a lot of cases, uh, like you know, HR is a good example or recruiting is a good example, but there are then people that we partner with to execute work. We partner internally. For example, one of the biggest keynotes of the first day was this conversation that our friend of the show, Chris Hempel, he facilitated a conversation between Paul Matson from uh, Cleveland Clinic, we all know him, as well as Ed Marks about how the CMO and the CIO is a partnership for the future. We're now sharing uh, on these marketing conference keynotes uh, conversations about how marketing and technology is coming together in a whole new way. And this is something you and I have been clamoring about for the last 10 years, if not more, right, in our industry. Now it's getting the right experience or the right focus at these sessions. Is this going to create, and this is a serious question, but does this create another role and another C-suite role that is now over these areas jointly? Uh, You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, we already have two CMOs within the organization, right? Marketing and medical. And then we have a CMIO, you know, which is in the medical side, but do we have a CMIO now on this side that's over marketing and and informatics or something like that? It's just interesting to me. Again, we've seen some of the other chief experience officer, the chief consumer officer. We've seen some other titles float around and, and still even exist today. But that is an interesting one to me uh, because they are starting to become closer together as it relates to digital specifically, maybe not some of the traditional marketing activities, but digital specifically. Well, and actually, there were other sessions that were about how marketing and digital are playing a role in capturing data for market research or for patient experience or how we marketing now has a role at the C-suite. There was a session called Navigating the C-suite, which talks about how you build partnerships to, you know, avoid power plays, politics, and misunderstandings, as it was said. But whenever you're navigating the C-suite, is rife with politics. So I'm not sure that you can avoid that. But still, do we ha- have now a chief medical marketing officer or a uh, what, what other C-suite <laughs> role can we play, right? Yeah. You know, obviously, you've seen, especially in some other industries, like a chief digital officer, and I'm seeing some in healthcare now, our chief transformation officer. Chief transformation officer, to me, feels like there's an endpoint. Okay, well, once the transformation is over, like, what's this person do kind of a thing? I think we all kind of know better than that. But anyway, the chief digital officer, I see that title some and chief consumer officer. So it's really funny. I mean, you see, okay, well, that one is actually a physician. And this one is a marketing person. And this one used to be a CIO. They're coming at it from different angles and different types of backgrounds. And so it'd just be curious to see kind of where that matures over the next few years. 
Well, and that kind of leads to another big theme that we talked about, which uh, I was on a panel session about transforming the digital experience. I was there with Tanya Andreas from Penn Medicine, as well as our good friend Aaron Watkins from Johns Hopkins. And we were talking about like transformation, digital transformation. And you, you mentioned, right, like a chief transformation officer, once the transformation ends, you know, is their job done? I think the the theme from our panel session was, first of all, we all have different digital challenges to solve. And secondly, the work never ends, right? It just transforms into some other kind of work, so to speak. Digital transformation is just kind of the glue that kind of binds things together. And I know you know that from your role that you're in. And I know that from my role that just by being digital people, we tend to abut into things like not only IT, but research and academics and, you know, all of the other aspects of what a, a, a larger health systems can face. I see more and more, um, we've got a bigger role with some of these folks, right? So the easy one, we mentioned earlier, you know, HR, right? Like we're trying to recruit folks. And so there's a logical kind of campaign feel to that. And then we talked about the the technology side of the equation, but the the clinical quality side is an interesting one as we think about, you know, alternate care models and, and those types of things. And then the finance side, before it was just like, you know, how do we talk about ROI? But, you know, in this case, you know, we're, we're having conversations much more mechanically where it's like, how do we increase collections? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a little different than, hey, are we measuring contribution margin or, or, or revenue? Again, still important conversations to have, but it's, it's a little bit of a different scenario of like, OK, well, how do we make the consumer process easier and, and connect with people in a way that makes it easy for them to pay their bill, quite honestly? You know, whether that be through payment plans or kind of drip marketing type campaigns and pricing transparency and, and some of those types of things. Uh, it gets really hard for folks to start having conversations without us, basically. I guess that's good that you and I are good conversationalists then because we're being pulled into a lot of con- a lot of different discussions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, I can at least make my way through a meeting, that is for sure. So um, and, and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Well, Reed, let's do this. We'll listen to a couple of uh, quick takes from people at the conference. And then you and I will be back. We'll talk about some other themes that I heard at the conference. Hi, I'm Josh Fieldman. I'm with MedChat. Uh, MedChat offers a uh, chat and advanced workflow automation platform. I lead our partnership efforts. Um, Fun to be back here. I haven't actually been on this side of healthcare for three years now. So awesome to see old friends and make some new ones. One takeaway so far, it's all about change and don't eat Tide laundry detergent pods. Don't do it. I'm Brittany Hansen. I'm a director of digital at Haley Sue, based out of Duluth, Minnesota. One of my biggest takeaways so far is that everybody is so hungry to network and be in person. So this is super refreshing to actually see people in uh, a term that I heard earlier is eyeball to eyeball, which I completely love. What I've heard today or some of the the things that um, have popped out for me is uh, journey mapping and patient journey mapping. I think that's something that a lot of the attendees here are still very hungry for and working through that process. Hello, healthcare. Uh, Chris Hemphill with Actium Health and uh, host of the Hello Healthcare podcast, as well as working in applied AI on the data science team. Just want to talk about the energy and information that I'm receiving from this this conference, which is, uh, I, I feel like 
healthcare, healthcare marketing specifically is, is newly empowered. We've come such a long way since then, and it's awesome to see that healthcare has hired leaders from, I've spoken to people that came from Delta, from Hyatt, uh, MSNBC, like we're hiring high profile uh, leaders in other industries. And yeah, there's a little shock when they, uh, when they transfer over, but they're bringing in knowledge that, you know, we weren't conventionally accustomed to. Uh, we're a little bit late to learning the marketing game, but we seem to be coming ahead. So uh, keep your foot on the accelerator, folks. I'm really excited for the things that you're doing. Uh, there's good things happen happening so long as you have the patience to do it. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. So I'm Chris Barlow with Barlow McCarthy. I'm the principal of the company, and our expertise is really in physician strategy. So my takeaway so far is the innovation that has needed to occur as programs are looking to very quickly get growth and volume. Lots of great ideas. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a national healthcare market research firm. And I think the major takeaway I've gotten from the, the conference so far is that we are facing an era of disruption like we've never seen before. And as marketers, we have to be prepared to adapt. Consumers' expectations are changing dramatically. Technology and innovation like we've never seen before. So this is a golden opportunity for us to shine and really help our organizations come out of the dark times and thrive in the future. Hey everybody, this is Chris Bevelo, Chief Brand Officer at Revive. We're here at HIMPS. Is that how we pronounce it? HIMPS? Uh, it's actually very lively. It's great here. Uh, we're here as we always are. We've got a new book, Joe Public 2030. We're actually going to be doing a panel session with some very senior CMOs in a little bit, so that'll be exciting. And just looking forward to more conversations with folks. It's been great here. All right, so here we are back in Salt Lake City. Um, <laughs> not, not really, but kind of uh, in our minds. But seriously, though, you were there to certainly be on a few conversations and panels and things like that, but one specifically around content and content strategy, right? Absolutely. My coworker and I, we presented about the technical elements of content strategy. Of course, I find every way possible to bring what I do into other disciplines. We were talking about interacting with uh, HR and, and the CIO and other places. We Digital also kind of transcends its way into through our content. My peer, who's in charge of branding and content strategy, and I have been working together on a variety of things. Many of the, the things that we've been implementing, we've talked about before on the show, Reed, which is looking at how we could break down our content strategy so that it fits nicely into the whole tech stack. Uh, talked about structure and about SEO and schema. How do we use all of those elements to build an, uh, a content 
approach that will amplify across all of our digital systems. Because my job is to look at our systems to make sure they could amplify the content. And her job is to create good content. We kind of refer to ourselves as the chocolate and the peanut butter. Because when you put chocolate and peanut butter together, what do you get, Reed? You get uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> exactly. You get something delicious to eat, right? Oh, right, um, right, 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 right. <laughs> When she's looking at content and her team's creating content, it's all about the content and making sure that the audience is getting the information that they need. When I look at content, I look at it, how do you break it down? And so it fits within your website and how it can be consumed into your CRM. And also, what about structured data around you know, locations and providers and find a doctor? There are a lot of people talking about content and using content in many different ways. It's so using content for internal communications, which by the way, is an interview that we have coming up about how do you content to build employee and internal alignment as well. Man, content is such a hard topic for me. One, because I'm not a very good writer, probably. So just historically, content always seemed very daunting and still does. It's curious to me to think about you know how we think about and develop and focus on content as it relates to connecting us with individuals. You know, I, we talk a lot about the transactional nature of consumerism, but I think there's got to be some trust built, a lot of which is done through things like thought leadership. I'm just like you too, Reed. I'm not really a content person, although I do pretty good showing up behind a microphone every week. Uh, I think you do too, but that's not the same, right? I mean, really thinking about developing content to engage different audiences. And that leads to kind of the last theme. There was a huge conversations, many conversations around how do we engage internally? How do we engage our employees to prevent burnout? How do we create ways to communicate more effectively with remote workforces or distributed workforces? How do we build better employee relationships? And I know it's top of mind, the whole great resignation and sort of the burnout feeling that we're all feeling, but that was also a big theme that uh, we discussed frequently through a variety of sessions. The great resignation. Yeah, we've mentioned it a couple of times now, but you know, HR being a partner and kind of the recruitment aspect of um, things that we do is, feels like a campaign. I don't know, m- most analogous, I guess, to kind of what we think of with like patient acquisition and stuff like that. I think there's two things. I think one is the recruitment aspect of all of this and working together on how to you know, hire folks, but then there's the retention piece, the internal comms piece. You know, how do you connect with folks? Kind of the evolution of internal comms where we've got technology now involved and two-way communications and, you know, ways that, you know, whether we're texting or through apps and different uh, kind of modalities, providing some stickiness and back to the content piece, you know, driving uh, good content and really things that, that individuals in the organization can resonate with kind of on their schedule, right? I almost equate it to similar to creating content along the customer journey. Our employees go through a journey as well where they're a potential employee, right? And they go through it. So we have to use content in a certain way there. Then when they are an employee, how do we keep them engaged? How do we talk to them in such a way that cascades the right information to them? All the way through, we want to make sure that they are loyal and they're advocates for our organization. And so really that becomes very critical for organizational leaders to be able to learn how to effectively communicate with their employee base throughout the whole entire life cycle. Which, Reed, by the way, leads us to the interview. 
again, we'll do a couple more little snippets, little breaks of feedback people have from the conference. But then we're going to go to an interview I did with Kristen Leckie. She actually uh, presented at the conference about how to use content strategy to build employee and internal alignment. Now, Kristen Leckie is from Writer Girl, a content organization, where she helped uh, develop content strategy with some of her clients, and they presented about how that content strategy was tremendously effective to build that sort of employee internal alignment. So after we hear a couple of other takes from the conference, come back after the break, listen to her interview, and then you and I will be back to wrap up the show. I'm Ben Dillon. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of Geonetric. We are a web development and digital experience agency working with hospitals and health systems around the country. We're here at the HMPS conference. It's, it's been a wild ride. We had a presentation yesterday about web personalization, talking about the journey, where you start, where it can go, great examples of, of how some organizations are using it out there. Uh, I would say the, the consistent theme I'm hearing in just about every session is everyone is looking at scheduling. I think other than, other than like the, the keynote that had nothing to do with healthcare this morning, every session, the topic of scheduling and how to do self-scheduling has been like the number, not the number one thing, but it's recurred again and again and again in each one of those presentations. So it's, it's, it is an interesting time to be tackling the kinds of problems we've been talking about for years. And maybe we're finally at a place where we can start solving some of those in a big way. Hi, I'm Dalal Haldeman. I'm the prior uh, chief marketing officer from Johns Hopkins Medicine. And now I have my own firm uh, for marketing, consulting, and coaching. And my uh, two biggest takeaways are how thirsty the attendees were to learn more about digital transformation and how some of the top leaders in the nation, what they're facing. It's not easy, but it is possible. And you learn from each other so well at this forum. I loved it. And we might do this again next year. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jeremy Harrison from MultiCare Health System in Tacoma, Washington. And I'm really excited to be at the conference this year and learning about how other companies, how other organizations are dealing with the data issues in healthcare. I think it's something that is, you know, something we're all struggling with. And it's just great to get together and start to solve that problem as an industry and as a group. And I'm really excited to learn more and dig into that and hopefully contribute back to our industry. Hi, I'm uh, Jerry Grady. I'm Vice President of the Ward Group. We're a retained executive search firm. We specialize in marketing. We are uh, industry agnostic, but do a substantial amount of work in healthcare. And we did a session today on building a next generation marketing team. And really the essence of it was about the evolution of marketing in healthcare from what had been a fairly, in many cases, not all, uh, relatively tactical and, and reactive function to how do you build a strategic function or what are the implications, both in terms of the talent that you want to attract, as well as the understanding internally of what it means to build a strategic marketing organization. Really interesting um, points of view from three different panelists that represented really different stages of their own evolution. Um, from early stage to mid-stage to a pretty progressive and forward-thinking um, uh, organization, particularly at Geisinger. Um, so a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully uh, some people got some good insights out of it. Hey, Stephen Magling from Haley Sue. In terms of what I'm really focused on at this conference, there was a phrase, Chris, that you used, high impact, high meaning, 
when defining how to think about strategy and what to focus on. And coming in this phase of the pandemic and where we are right now, I think every organization really has to think about that idea of what is the most high impact, high meaning focal point for our marketing communications. Because there's so many things that we could do. We've got to focus on not just the impact, but the high meaning piece. And so as I'm reflecting on that today, I'm thinking, what is that, what is that for our clients in the hospital space? Is it volume? Is it reputation? Is it rebuilding trust? Is it a better journey experience? Is it telling a better data story to internal audiences so we can have more shared support? So that high impact, high meaning, that's what I'm taking away. Welcome back to the Ask the Expert segment of the podcast. And today I am excited to have someone new on the show that hasn't been here before, but I have a feeling after our conversation today, we're probably going to be talking a lot and have you back many times. And that's Kirsten Leckie from Writer Girl. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. It's good to be here. I feel like this is such a special place to join you for 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're And we're actually recording live at yes. one of the conferences, which is yeah. something new, right? right. So, but this is great. We're going to take opportunity to do that. Kristen, yeah, oh, you're absolutely welcome. Kristen, before we get started, some people listening in may not know about you. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your background, um, where you are now, but how did you get there, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I, my background has mostly been in healthcare. I've spent most of my career working with healthcare leaders that are interested in building relationships with consumers, patients, employees, and lots of different um, you know, areas of the healthcare ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I've always been in that space and have always just really enjoyed it. I've been at Writer Girl now for about eight years. You know, our mission is to build relationships one word at a time. So it's really enjoyable to be around people that kind of rally around that too. At this conference, uh, you presented about um, a very important topic, one that's probably top of mind to healthcare leaders across the country. <laughs> what we're talking about is our workforce has been under incredible amount of pressure over the last couple of years dealing with the pandemic and specifically sort of our frontline workers, but it's kind of extended across uh, the, the entire industry. We also know that looking at a macro level, there is this concept of the great resignation, right? right? So there's a lot of people that are out there actively like looking for new opportunities because they're unsatisfied. Within complex health systems like the ones that we're in, that we work in, Mm -hmm. this poses an incredible difficult challenge of trying to engage with our employees. Is that that fair to say? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. I think when it comes to what it takes to build relationships inside of large complex organizations where there's all of these layers and all of these complexities and um, you know, really at the heart is we're of service to patients. And so it can be really challenging to find the space and time and energy to really build those relationships with each other in terms of the employees in the organization. Um, so our session, you mentioned that, that we spoke, so our session focused on the role that communication plays in building those relationships and just really what it takes because it's kind of like a lights on all the time type yeah. of strategy. So it's, you know, there's a burnout factor. There's, we're all overwhelmed with content and messaging and hearing it internally and externally in brands and it comes from everywhere. So how do we, um, you know, rise above the fray and, and use creative 
mediums and tools and, and make sure that we're connecting at the right time with the right people. You know, it's, it's the same sort of messaging that we apply to our patients and consumers, mm -hmm. but really applying that inside of our organization as well. So really yeah. caring about what's on their hearts and minds and, you know, how do they receive information and what's the best way to reach them and how are we empathetic towards their needs and authentic and how we approach them. And so I think that was what we were really excited about with our session is talking about some strategies and tactics to do that well. Well, well let's get into some of the strategies yeah. <laughs> and tactics. But as you kind of teed that up, I myself am an employee of a health mm -hmm. system. Now I'm different, I'm a little bit unique because I'm part of a, like a shared services, I'm in the marketing communications department. And there's quite a few people that are now um, working in a health system that are kind of working remotely, if not mm -hmm. part-time, full-time. So that's one segment of our kind of our employee audience. And then there's the other employees that are there every day, right? The frontline workers, the nurses, the support staff, the providers that are kind of out there kind of providing care day to day. Mm -hmm. Those are two separate audiences mm -hmm. that probably have sort of these inherent challenges about how to connect with. Is that is that fair to say? Absolutely fair to say. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, you talked about the marketing department. So our role inside of marketing departments in these large healthcare organizations is to be those communicators, right? And often re it's it's sort of in our area to um, create the communication, the messaging, get those messages out, work with the leadership team. Um, and so one of the things that we talked about was really leveraging managers as communicators. So you have this whole army of people that are out, so you talk about the front line. So how do we close the gap between leadership and that front line? And it's having really creative ways to look at your managers as communicators, you know, making sure they have the toolkits and they have the right, you know, the right um, strategies and, and approaches and tools to be able to communicate to their employees. So it's just breaking down you know, kind of all the different um, layers inside mm -hmm. of an organization to get messages to the people, you know, throughout the organization. Okay, so now I've worked at my fair share of organizations, and I'm not saying my current one is suffering from this, but <laughs> that concept of cascading communications down through the manager mm -hmm. levels, right? I think it's a very noble one to have, but sometimes it, it kind of falls flat in the execution. You have to be very skilled and talented to do that. How do you start to, as they start to, like, uh, we need to do this, how do you help them kind of craft and ideate around what's the best way to do it? Yeah, I think it's 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 sort of um, not thinking it as thinking of it as cascading techniques, but more so it's bringing authenticity to the relationships that these managers have with their employees. So mm. you know that's it's hard. I mean, we're all it's about being open and honest and vulnerable and giving you know others permission to be the same way. Um, and so it's not just about saying, "Hey, manager, communicate this." but creating an environment and a culture in their teams and their departments where there's authenticity and there's that vulnerability and, and giving permission to behave that way and to you know respond that way, mm. um, as well as to have a real discipline around listening. So um, you know we spoke with Bon Secours Mercy Health, and one of the cool things that they did is, so they're a Cincinnati-based company, and so Cincinnati, for your listeners, if they know anything about Cincinnati, is sort of a hotbed for um, CPG organizations like Procter & Gamble and Kroger, these big consumer packaged good companies. So there's all these companies that exist in Cincinnati to um, research consumer behavior. So what, how do people buy and you know what, how do they get information? And so Bon Secours Mercy Health actually hired people from those agencies to apply that same type of thinking 
to um, their associates, to their employees, to say like, we really need to take the deep data, the deep consumer insights that you know, really get to the, the heart of what's on the hearts and minds of, of our associates. So I just think it's a really cool way of thinking about um, you know, accessing our, you know, associates and what they need. You know, that's interesting to think about because we, when we talk about like tapping into these other industries, a lot of times in my space, I always kind of default to from a marketing perspective because mm-hmm. they understand the consumer better, right? And they understand ways to uh, to help craft and make more effective marketing communications because that's where the, the consumer has kind of shifted their expectations. I never, until you just said that, thought about well, that also applies to internal communications, too. While we are all in healthcare, and I like to think that we are very purpose-driven and we want to be within these organizations, there's kind of a purpose to what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably fair to say that everyone in healthcare at least has a little bit of flavor of that because it's sometimes unforgiving work. But I never thought about, like, well, how can like other industries kind of help influence the way we do internal communications? Mm-hmm. So this Bon Secours, the client you were working with, has mm-hmm. like what happened when they brought these people in like I'm sure they brought completely new transformative ideas yeah they did they, they a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of measuring and analyzing and using data to inform um, and pivot with all of their internal communications and mm-hmm. so it was like it, it was like going from what was probably what we're all familiar with in terms of more of a traditional type of marketing model cascading mm-hmm. to this really innovative data-driven you know machine that was um, getting as close as possible to the end user through this, you know, tool that they were using and through this work that they were deploying. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, it really allowed them and their results were astounding. I mean, just in terms of um, what they were able to learn and how they were able to pivot and respond and engage all coming directly from, and you know, they're across like several states and several yeah. different markets. And so I think they're even international now. I think they're in Ireland. So it's- now, I, you know me, I love data. And this yeah. is like, you're right up my alley here now <laughs> when you're talking about this. But I've, you know, I've worked with the communications teams before, and sometimes it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint the, the specific type of data. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about just like email open rates now mm-hmm. here or how many people come to the internet. What are some of the, just high level, what are some of those other data things that they're kind of bringing to the table? Oh, yeah. You know, just down to relationships with managers and like measuring some of those things as well, mm-hmm. behaviors. Like, you know, one of the things that I think came out of the research that they mm-hmm. did or out of the insights that they got was this whole idea around empathy. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, they, they started this during COVID, but it's something that they continue to do. And it's it's something that's sustainable for them. And it's this idea that, um, you know, in order for us to be empathetic towards others, we really need to make sure that we're empathetic towards ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And so they recognize the burnout factor, you know, they recognize, you know, everyone is stressed out and all of those things. So they built, um, you know, practices in the organization around meditating, you know, recognizing, you know, they call it the pause program, but the whole idea is to self-reflect mm. so that the more you understand your own emotions and feelings, the more you'll be able to understand others' emotions and feelings, mm. and then that makes you a better communicator. So again, mm. at the end of the day, this is all about, you know, improving how we communicate with each other, which then leads to a trusting relationship. And so they, you know, were able to build and scale this program that's all about 
um, taking care of yourself first mm -hmm. so that you can take care of your team so that they can take care of the patient. Uh, earlier uh, this week, we were kind of talking about even these resources for uh, for employees, like you know e uh, EAPs, right? Employee mm -hmm. Assistance Programs, and how well those are so well-intentioned. Mm -hmm. Not many people use no, them because no. of the stigma around right. EAP and also this kind of belief around employees that, you know, I'm being monitored kind of if I use mm -hmm. this EAP tool, even though it's, it's not that way. It's completely anonymous. Right. Right. This sounds like a whole different approach. It's like, how do you empower yourself to be a better human? You know, it is that. It's it's we're human beings doing business with human beings, and so at the end of the day, let's be more humanistic. With the, is that the right word? <laughs> you know, um, and and allow that you know between each other. And so you have to teach people, I think, how to do that. Sometimes, I mean, some of us are intuitively understand and more self-reflective, but I think it's really smart to give people the tools to be able. And it's not this sort of scary EAP program. It's like, I can do that. We're all working from home. You know, we're all in our cars occasionally or we're listening to podcasts or whatever. So how do I, how can I do this in my own personal time alone and have that space to do it? And, and your employer is, is crafting and they've created this program that's custom um, for their associates. It's mm -hmm. not kind of an off-the-shelf you know, EAP program, which those are important too, but mm -hmm. this is really something that was built um, for them. Yeah, uniquely for yeah, them, right? right? You know, it all boils back to like what are all those different tools and tactics that we're going to do to kind of help build that. I, I, I like the idea of, of meditation. I like the idea of this mm -hmm. kind of self-reflection and building this empathy. But the, you have to kind of pull it together in a way that's real to that that particular situation. It's different, I would imagine, um, having an, an empathy or a, sort of a listening session with a nurse as it is to uh, someone that works in IT, right, in an organization. What's your thoughts around that? How do you start to, to understand your audience better? And, mm -hmm. and are you building multiple different programs for multiple different people in your organization? Is How do you scale this, right? right. I mean, that's really yeah. what ultimately, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the scaling thing is a big one. Yeah. Um, and so I think, too, it's also leveraging the army of people that are inside your organization to be able to do that on your behalf a little bit. So, um, and I know a lot of companies do this. I keep bringing up Bon Secours because we just met with them, but um, or had this session with them. So they have what's called a Called to Shine program, mm -hmm. and it's a way for you know, and you know, employees to recognize their peers. Mm -hmm. So your comment about like you know, a, a nurse is going to experience empathy or or you know, listen, her needs are going to be different than this other person, an IT person. And so really, it, we all want to hear from like-minded people. You know, mm -hmm. a nurse might want to hear from another nurse, an IT person's going to want to hear from another IT person. So um, giving the avenues and the channels and the and empowering that. So they've built this call to shine where it's like, you know, it's a peer review, kind of a peer, like I can, I can, you know, do a little recognition for a coworker. And then you earn points. And so mm -hmm. you're able to like earn points. And I, I guess with your points, you can, you know, um, receive prizes and other things oh, like that. Yeah. This is one that they built custom mm -hmm. for their organization, um, and they deployed it with like a huge, massive campaign. So it wasn't just like a leader, you know, saying we're going to do this thing, and then a manager saying, "You guys, if you see something cool from your employee coworker, you know, announce it." They had we created like videos and um, all kinds of content around it, and it was almost like they were launching like an external campaign. They launched internally and really put some resources behind it and energy behind it, mm -hmm. and spent time creating and crafting, kind of and branding this whole strategy, mm -hmm. um, and it's been super successful. And so it's a way for you know people to have that authenticity with each other because they're able to see the cool things that each other's doing. It's able to build in that empathy and recognize each other and, 
it makes it easy to do because yeah. there's a tool that exists for them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that builds you know community and culture and trust and all the things that I think we're craving and wanting inside our organizations, especially as we're more and more burnt out. Yeah. Now, as you're describing this, you're using terms that a marketer would use. We're talking about communications, and there's always been this, I would say, a, a kind of a healthy friction between marketing and communications, almost as if, if they're two different disciplines. But the way you're describing it, right, it's like we created a campaign, we're understanding our audiences, we're developing you know, ways. I th- I, in my mind, I can't help but think you're doing exactly what marketing's doing, just with a different audience. Right. Is that yeah. your perspective on yeah, this, I too? Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's, and I think because they thought, thought through it that way, that now they've actually, um, I think they're restructuring their department to kind of follow that line of thinking. They shouldn't be opposed to each other. They really are working with each other and having the marketing techniques, you know, within communications can only help. Right. Well, when, when we, and then getting to content, right? When, yeah. I, you know, I presented at this conference with my peer about content strategy. And one of the things that she, you know, she, I, I loved about her discipline around content is the fact that you start first with your audience and understand their needs and their wants and like what their desires are. And then from there you build content expressions, right? To Mm -hmm. kind of help support that and to solve and really make their experiences better. Mm -hmm. Now, the way I was just saying it, right? This is in the guise of marketing, right? Mm -hmm. How you do it. But you can apply this to your employees. Mm-hmm. You can apply this to your state, to your board. Mm-hmm. You can apply this to multiple different stakeholder groups in your organization. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, Kristen? When you think about like content at an uber level, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, content follows a similar process in terms of development, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that right? Yeah, I think you just now. I mean, you just solved it all right there. Well. <laughs> Mic drop. We're done. <laughs> we got it. It's all figured out. But yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's just remembering and reminding ourselves that you know those those techniques and tools and approaches that we use to an external audience to build trust with them mm-hmm. can certainly be used with our internal audiences and our boards and our shareholders and our stakeholders. And um, it's the common thread is it's communication. It's effective communication mm-hmm. and it's two-way thing you know it's it's giving and receiving and so it's everything you've just described in terms of what are we giving and how are we receiving and um you know being disciplined about both of those things and pivoting and responding if something's not working so this is more than just sending out a weekly newsletter right absolutely or posting something on the internet yeah this yes. is much more expansive than that. I think so, don't you? Uh, well, I do too, yeah. right? And I feel that way too. But, you know, again, I sometimes when I experience these things as an employee, I'm kind of like I eating my own dog food, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of looking at, and that's a bad metaphor, by the way, but, <laughs> but you understand the concept yeah. is like, I'm kind of like experiencing this through my internal communications team or uh, from whoever, right, is, mm-hmm. is, is reaching out to me. I think about it all in this in this kind of uber way of uh, like almost like a meta way, I should say, where I'm like, oh, okay, they're doing this because they're trying to do this, trying to elicit mm-hmm. this kind of thing. But what you're talking about is really building authenticity in mm-hmm. the communications. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very nuanced. And, and to me, I kind of think like, I, I wouldn't even know how to measure that. It just seems so daunting and so tr- so problematic. And it, to me, it, 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 I, as I think about it, so I'm sitting here today, I'm like, wow, how can we all be there? Because we would benefit as a society mm-hmm. if we would, and I don't mean to go too high level here, Kristen, but... <laughs> oh, let's go there. But, but you know, I mean, yeah. if we could just infuse authentic mm-hmm. communication into everything that we do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I absolutely agree. I think that we're all trying. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that we're trying, mm-hmm. but um, maybe it's, we, we don't really know how. And so I think the more like things like this, where people are idea sharing or you're attending sessions or you're hearing experience sharing what other leaders are doing, um, helps us get there because um, authenticity, I think we're all encouraged to show up who we are as our whole person, but now we're in, on a screen, we're not in person. We're challenged by you know the virtual environments. We're challenged by so lack of resources. We're challenged by so many things. And so as long as there's attention on it and focus on it and we're learning from each other, I think we'll get there. But I mean, I see it really as, um, you know, we talk about this at Writer Girl sometimes, and it's really how about, you know, building relationships is, is a one-to-one thing. It's not a one-to-many things. And I know that's a very old school marketing thing, right? Yeah. Um, but it really is so true. And so mm-hmm. you have to find opportunities to do the one-to-one and, and just exercise that and keep doing that. And it takes more time, but it's more rewarding. And so I think when you think about a large organization, how do you make this big world of 60,000 employees a lot smaller and create more intimacy on teams or intimacy in your communication or whatever? And I think there's ways you can you can do that because, again, we're in a completely different environment today than we were a couple of years yeah. ago. So I think we've learned a lot of cool things that are helping us get there. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, do you feel hopeful? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm always cautiously optimistic, yeah. I like to say, right? But I actually do feel hopeful about yeah, it. Of I course, you know, I also realize that I'm 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 blessed, right? Mm-hmm. But and I have employees myself mm-hmm. that I want to build those m- more meaningful and authentic relationships yeah. with, and it's always it seems to me it's like always a, a, a constantly learning mm-hmm. um, in in what I do, and so right. it's what you're saying is is great, and I love how you kind of you you, you put it out there like it's like this is what we all should be doing, and I mm-hmm. that's uh, that's awesome. So cheers to one to one building relationships, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are we all up for the task? And it can be done. <laughs> Right, it, it can, can be, be done. done. Yeah, yeah, it can be done. I, I believe that. That's the important thing. Yeah. Kristen, this has been one of the really cool conversations. Oh, it's something we don't normally cover in our show. And yeah. just the mere fact of this, it just kind of, it, I relate to it. It's really awesome. Yeah. As, uh, you know, people listening and they may want to carry on this conversation with you and, mm-hmm. and online, what are some good ways for them to connect with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't. I probably should be on there a lot more, so I may not be super responsive. But LinkedIn, you can find me there. Um, my, my email address: Kirsten, the I before the R. Kirsten at writergirl.com. Um, mm. Obviously, our website. So happy to continue the conversation. Yeah, we'll put all those links yeah, on, on right. in our show notes so people okay. can follow you. And yeah. I really appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you for thank being you. here. Thanks. Special thanks to Kirsten and the fine folks over at Writer Girl for coming on the show. Certainly appreciate her time and investment in the space, being being out in Salt Lake City, doing the good work. So, yeah, I'm jealous I wasn't able to be there, but I'm uh, glad you got to connect with so many uh, so many cool folks on our behalf and look forward to the next one. If you do plan on coming to conferences, this is another reason to sign up for the TPS report. Uh, we mentioned it earlier in the show, but 
Uh, we do have quick links to upcoming industry conferences like you mentioned ShishMed and HCIC and those types of things. And so you've got some some links there where you can click and, and register or add the dates to your calendar or whatever makes sense. But let us know if you're going to be there. We'd love to connect, certainly. And also, if there are topics we should cover, people we should see, things like that, always great to try to get that stuff done in person if we can. All right. Before we uh, call it a, a day, a week, to a couple of recommendations. What do you got today? Reed, I'm going to recommend, it's almost like a double recommendation, but it's for the same thing. So recently, HBO is started running a, a series, a dramatization called The Staircase. Mm. And it was actually based on a documentary that was done back in the 80s about the, a real life documentary called The Staircase. So you could actually watch the actual documentary on Netflix. And then on HBO, currently, they're running a dramatization that's a little bit different. It isn't exactly the same, not a one-to-one matching about the very same story, but maybe a little bit of the, the background. What it is, is a, a gentleman finds his wife at the bottom of the stairs, unfortunately mm-hmm, dead. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blood. The police come. Uh, he immediately gets implicated in the murder. The police arrest him. And then he enlisted a, a French film company to do a documentary about this while he's going through the trial. A fascinating documentary. I watched it many years ago, and, uh, and my wife and I, we went back and rewatched it on Netflix. Uh, and the reason why is because now on HBO, they're showing a dramatization telling a different side of the story, telling the personal side of the story. So the people that are in uh, the actual miniseries is Colin Firth. A famous actor, Sophie Turner. She was formerly of Game of Thrones. She was in it. Parker Posey is in it. A variety of actors, actresses, even Juliette Binoche is in it. The Staircase. If you want to watch the original documentary, it's on Netflix. And if you want to watch the dramatization, you can watch that. And that's on HBO. So that's my recommendation this week. For those that have been listening for a while, Parker Posey, number one Googled person from Laurel, Mississippi. So there you go. <laughs> Exactly. If you don't know what we're talking about, I don't know, it was a couple of episodes ago. But anyway, I'll, <laughs> I'll labor that. All right. So uh, my recommendation, also a show, it's a TV miniseries. It's actually five, five episodes. Yes, five episodes. It is a Hulu original, so you can only watch this on Hulu, uh, called Candy. Mm. Like C-A-N-D-Y. It stars Jessica Biel. And there'll be a few other people you kind of recognize in there, but she's the she's the main person. Uh, she plays Candy. So Candy Montgomery is a 1980s housewife and mother who did everything right. But when the pressure and conformity builds within her, her actions scream for just a bit of freedom until someone tells her to shush. So this is actually based on a true story. Uh, it happened in Texas, I believe. And kind of a biography, crime, drama uh, piece. Jessica Bill's real-life husband, Justin Timberlake, makes an appearance, uh, which is kind of funny. Wow. Um, late, later in the, uh, I think he's like maybe episode four, he shows up or something like that. Anyway, really good, though, in their uh, 45-ish minute long uh, episodes. And again, there's five of them. So Candy, it's on Hulu. Uh, so I won't spoil anything, but uh, it's uh, really, really interesting. True, If you like the true crime piece. So. Sure do. I'm going to have to check that one out. Thanks for that recommendation. 
All right. Well, there it is, folks. Another episode in the books. Thanks for joining us uh, for uh, yet another another episode of Touchpoint. Again, the website, touchpoint.health. Reach out to us, LinkedIn, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.